there, there are things that have happened in their lives, whether it be, you know, mental health issues from a life of abuse. It could be drug abuse, alcohol abuse, which, you know, at the end of the day is a disease. It is an addiction. It's a, it's a medical disorder um, that stops them from integrating with society. There are a myriad of things that could, that could have that could have happened to these people. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing in Podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, I have Harry Bly. Harry is a journalist and audio producer specializing in documentaries, investigations, and podcasts. He's recently covered the homeless crisis in Cardiff. Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So would you like to tell uh, my audience a little bit about what's going on in your world right now? Of course. So uh, my world right now, I'm currently living in London. Um, I work for uh, BBC News as a journalist. Um, and my job consists at the moment of effectively reading the news for smart speakers. So um, we're a new department called BBC Voice News. Um, we're like a, a, a hybrid between BBC News and BBC Voice AI. Um, which is like the, the technical side. And we create little bulletins for um, Alexa, Google, and Siri um, smart devices. Um, so that's my job right now. Um, the other thing going on in my world is podcasting. As you mentioned before, I'm really into podcasting. And um, I am the creator of Think Tank, the podcast, um, which I started in November 2015. So it's been going quite a long time now. Yeah. And my latest work with that is uh, Think Tank Investigates Cardiff's Homeless Crisis, uh, which was my first big investigation, my first big audio piece. Um, it's about two hours long, it's split into two parts. Um, and it took about 14 months to make, uh, just over a year, from kind of the original concept to then collecting interviews and going out and getting sound, interviewing people, researching, waiting for, you know, uh, we're trying to get hold of people from the council and from the local government. And uh, we were very lucky that we got interviews, but it was, you know, it's a very long process trying to trying to source interviews and, and get people to reply. So, um, yeah, so that's my main kind of, that, that's my, that's what's going on in my world, if that, if that answers your question. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, let's, let's dig a little deeper. So, the the homeless crisis in Cardiff. Uh, if if you're not from here, uh, as I am, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be another city I've been in that it seems to be as prevalent. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so that's what I found. I I lived in Cardiff for uh, you know I, I moved out of Cardiff this year in May, and I'd lived there for almost five years. And the difference between my between moving in 2014 to then leaving the amount of people living on the streets was, was quite shocking. And, and that's what inspired me to make this, this um, documentary. So I wanted to make a documentary about something. I love documentaries. I really wanted to make a big piece of audio, a sort of season finale, if you will, for my podcast. And I, I had a lot of different choices, um, but homelessness was just, it was so, it was so, it was the obvious choice because it's such a prevalent issue in, in Wales, and especially in Cardiff. So what do, I know you said that you could, you, it was noticeable to you that there'd been an increase in the number of people on the street, but what, what drove Harry to be curious enough to try and investigate? 
I think it was the question why. Why why is the problem getting worse? Why are there more people? Um, I think a lot of the work I've done and I want to do as a journalist is all about injustice. I think um, any kind of injustice really bothers me, whether or not it's on TV, you know, I work in news now, so I, I see it all the time. And it, it, it really gets to me and it really irritates me. And I think homelessness is one of those things where I was just so almost infuriated. Why, why, is, why is this getting worse? Um, and all these empty promises you hear, oh, you know, we're going to solve it. You know, the government saying, you know, it's an it's a issue we're going to tackle. And so I, I really wanted to investigate myself and just think and, and ask, why, you know, why is it getting worse? And also see what's being done. That was a huge thing for me was seeing what's being done. Because um, there's a lot of hearsay. You know, you'll get, especially with our very partisan politics, you'll always hear one party saying, you know, the government's not doing enough. The other saying, you know, we are doing enough. And there's so many mixed messages. I just wanted to get out there myself and 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 find out more. And also, uh, I want to kind of join join the bandwagon a little bit because you know, ITV did a big documentary. Um, they've done two actually. They did a documentary, I think, 2016, and then Ross Kemp did one as well this year. Um, so a lot of people have been doing homeless the topics of being homelessness. Um, they've been let me try that again. They've been sort of studying homelessness in Cardiff, but uh, there's, there's no definitive answer. So I wanted to do it myself and just uh, get out there and, and investigate. So, so what's the sort of stories you've come across then, you know, these things that you wanted to sort of uncover for yourself, these, and you're right, you're spot on with what you say with the hearsay. Um, and I was just thinking from my perspective, some of the things I've heard, are, um, they vary wildly from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. Um, but certainly uh, the one thing I've heard said is there's reason there's so many is that their benefits for homeless people are greater in Cardiff than elsewhere. Yes, I, I, I did hear that as well. In, in your investigations, what was your findings regarding that? I think uh, there, there's a lot. Uh, so regarding that specifically, yes, I did. I did interview a guy on the street who had come to Cardiff because he felt safer and he was under the impression that that there was more. So a lot of people, I think, I believe, I don't know this is true, but I believe people come from Bristol, from Bath, from, from other cities around the southwest. Mm. I mean, who knows, even even further afield. But the guy I spoke to, they weren't all from Cardiff. They weren't all Welsh. They were people from from all over. But the one guy I did interview was actually, I believe, from Ireland. And he had come over to Cardiff because it was, I mean, I mean, not better, but I think it was safer. I think it was safer for him. And, and there, in Cardiff, as I did find out, there are a lot of charities. So you've got, you've got kind of the first response. You've got people like the Salvation Army who have the big the, the bus. They serve hot meals. You've got... Um, I mean, you've got the Red Cross. They do a lot of work. Um, you've got Wallach, who are very, they're, I mean, they're brilliant. They were at the Homeless World Cup. They, they, um, that was an event, obviously, in Butte Park that, that was raising money for, for homelessness. Yeah. But then you've also got charities like Come Off Cymru, who are doing, it's the more kind of secondary kind of funding, trying to, you've got Shelter Cymru as well. They're, they're trying to um, create more funding, create more spaces for people. Um, and I, I think I think that is what draws people. I mean, admittedly, I didn't go to any other. I didn't do any other investigation in any any, any other city because um, because of various various reasons. But what I was so 
pleasantly surprised at was how many people there are in Cardiff trying to trying to help people on the streets and uh, the religious community. That was a big part of um, of the podcast. Was uh, one of the churches, uh, Glenwood Church in Cardiff. It was one of many churches um, that that do homeless outreach. Um, and the students as well, students union at Cardiff University, they, they do a lot. So I, I can see why, I can see why people do, uh, people who are homeless do either come to Cardiff or stay in Cardiff because there's a lot there. I mean, people are trying. And allegedly the government and council are trying as well. Uh, I went into the documentary when I was first researching, like, I don't know if it was me being a young, keen journalist just really wants to like, expose the the council exposed, the government exposed the police for like malpractice. But what I found actually was they're really trying, the council are really trying. Um, I spoke to uh, Joe Stevens, the MP of Cardiff, uh, Cardiff Central MP um, at the time. Um, obviously she's trying to be re-elected now. Uh, and she, and I, I had a really good interview with her when I kind of, uh, you know, asked her very difficult questions about, you know, is your your party going to try and help help the homeless in Cardiff and, and, and she said yes and she does have a plan and she's she, she knows that, that, that it's an issue um, but it was really interesting to, to know that actually the council are really trying and so are the government the police uh, I couldn't speak to quite difficult to talk to the police as in to try and get an official statement um, yeah. because you, cause I did hear people, horror stories horror stories from people uh, saying about police alleged police brutality but um as joe stevens put it in the interview the police have to you know the police act in 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 a legal manner because they have to otherwise they'll be slated by the press you know they're they're always being scrutinized uh so it's a a tough one but in all in all yes i think cardiff is a very good place um a very safe place for for people and i understand i understand why people do come to Cardiff um, to live on the streets and I understand why they stay. Yeah, I, I, I've had one experience, um, well, obviously lots of experience of walking past homeless people, but I was in one town, in one time in particular, I was in with my youngest son who was seven mm-hmm. and uh, he was coming out to one of the NCPs and there was, uh, the police van rocked up. Yeah. <clears throat> we were going back to the car and the, the gentleman sort of put his hands in his pocket uh, as if to say he wasn't doing anything, but they they knew him by name. You know, it was a case of so and so. Come on now, John. You know, there's been reports of you being aggressive, asking for money, blah blah blah. And I, I <clears throat> and it's sort of although I was with my seven year old, so I thought, oh, you don't know where this could go. Yeah, is that Absolutely. is that guy aware enough to just say, oh yeah, okay, you know, holds all that, holds hands up and sort of move on, or is he gonna just start kicking off? And I, you know, when you got with my boy in the mix, I'm thinking, well, where, where am I? I know there's two coppers, but like, where am I going to go? Yeah. How am I going to protect if something happens? Like, you know, so it's, there's that element to it. But at the same time, the reason I got in touch with you initially was you come into my, um, my world at the time that me and my wife were discussing our, our future goals, aspirations. Mm. Um, and if you're familiar with Cardiff, do you know if you was to drive straight past the museum uh, and down yes. to the cross junction? Yeah. 
on if you were to cross that road as if you was heading towards the theater on the left hand side is a big big building by there yeah yeah and it's disused yes so me and the wife have spotted this and we've both said we'd love to be in a position where we could um create a, a business um around which sort of self-funds getting people off the street so that you employ the people on the street if they're willing to make the change and they're willing to give it a go. So it's sort of, it's like a, a hostel slash rehab. Tell me if I'm dreaming once I finish my dream. <laughs> so they go into this place where they, their needs are assessed and maybe they get the, you know, the, the support they need, the mindset shift, which then puts them in a position where they can self-help and, and, you know, improve themselves and get to a position where they, if they want to have a job, they could have a job. And then the funds from that then is reinvested in their keep. So they get pay, but they also get lodgings until they're at the point where they want to leave. But the, the, pro, the, the profit that company makes is then reinvested back in to further fund helping more people. How, how realistic is from everything you know about the system and what you've learned? Am I a dreamer? I mean, I, I think that, I mean, that's such a lovely idea. And I think, I think you could definitely get the manpower to, um, to, 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 to do that. I think you could, I think you could get people from a variety of different charities, different outreach groups who could help you set that up. I suppose the biggest, the biggest, the two biggest obstacles firstly will be the money, putting the money down on, on the building um, and just making sure it, it can stay afloat. Um, but you know, in principle, that sounds perfect. That sounds exactly, exactly like what Cardiff needs is a big central hub, a safe space for people to go make a few pounds and ha have somewhere to, somewhere safe, somewhere to stay. Um, yeah, that, that does sound good. So, for, I mean, from everything you've learned, I mean, some of the skeptic people that you, you see in, you know, um, I, I don't know what the term it, but they, they can be quite offensive towards the homeless. I mean, I, I've got a certain compassion because I mean, you, you never know anybody's full understanding of what's going on inside their head or the lives they've come from. But I mean, what would what would what would the aunt you you say to somebody that might say, "Why don't they just get a job?" I'd say to them that there's no one wants to be on the street. No one wants to sleep outside, especially in this weather. I, I don't know about Cardiff right now, but London's absolutely freezing it's bloody freezing um, me. <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean I, I, my friend my friend works in Abergavenny and he sent a picture of it snowing today so I can't imagine how cold it is over there um the, no one wants to be on the street I don't think anyone finds it I mean I could be wrong but I think 99.9% of people do not want to sleep in a sleeping bag on Queen Street for instance there, there are things that have happened in their lives whether it be you know mental health issues from a life of abuse it could be drug abuse, alcohol abuse, which, you know, at the end of the day is a disease. It is an addiction. It's a, it's a medical disorder um, that stops them from integrating with society. There are a myriad of things that could, that could have, that could have happened to these people that's led them to living on the streets and they can't, it's so hard, you know, once I think once you're in, in that cycle to then just rock up and, and get a job. I mean, there are ways around it. Um, but it, I used to work for a company uh, as a freelancer. I worked for the company called Living with Asperger's, and 
I think they're now called Living with Disability, but they're, they're, they're a Cardiff-based company and they, they help people who have um, autism or Asperger's-related conditions get, get, get jobs. So I learned a lot about the job market and, and it's so difficult. If you, let's say you want to apply to a cafe in Cardiff, they're going to want to know your um, national insurance number, they want to know your address, they're going to want to have references, they're going to want a CV. If you're living on the streets, you can't just go to your printer, print off a CV. You can't give them a, an address. You can't. You might not have your national insurance number. You know, it, there are so many hoops to jump through in today's society. You need a computer to do everything. I mean, I'm trying to sort out my HMRC tax return. I mean, you know, I have a full-time job, and it's so bloody hard. Like, I just don't know what I'm doing. So I, I do really feel for people who are on the streets because, you know, that they're so far away from from having the ease of just pulling out your iPhone or going on your computer and just printing off, get, getting yourself sorted. You know, you've got to, you know, get, getting a job isn't, it's not easy for anyone. It's, it's even harder if you live on the street and you, you have issues that, that might stop you from, from being able to, to, to do some, some work. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it, it, it's a, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Once you're in, it's like being in the system. You're in the system of homelessness. You're living on the streets. You become accustomed to it. It's, it's probably very hard to go back. I mean, I, look, I don't know. I've never, I've never been on the streets. I'm very fortunate. I've never been homeless, so I don't actually know the real reasons. But you know, I don't have much time for people that, that say, "I'll oh, just get a job," because it's 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 not that easy. It's not easy for most of us to get a job. Never mind people who are, you know who are living on the streets. And it's very heartbreaking to see there are young people living on the streets as well. That's, uh, uh, you know, and this is a, a generalization, but I think a lot of, a lot of the time it's drug abuse that, that causes that. Yeah. We, um, me and the fam <clears throat> family went round. um, I think it was last Christmas, a minor effort to try and help giving out like gloves and mm. hats. But I wanted the children and my children to try and engage, um, and, and, you know, be appreciative for what you've got. Uh, so a lesson in, a lesson in being compassionate enough to help somebody that's really doesn't have anything other than the breath. In yeah. It. Yeah. Do you know, that, that's really interesting that you say that because I, and, and I think that's one of the reasons that I did this documentary is because homelessness shocked me so much. I grew up in a village in Cheshire, a um, little village called Streatham. And I don't think I ever saw a homeless person until I was probably in my teens. I mean, it's, it, it wasn't a thing mm. in my hometown when I was growing up. In Warrington, I remember, I remember being like 13 and, and being in town and seeing someone on the street thinking, you know, gosh, that's so awful. But it was such, it was such a foreign concept to me um, growing up. And so coming to Cardiff, it was like, wow, this is, this is a big problem. And it got worse and worse. And I knew it was getting worse and worse around the country because and this, I don't, this is going to sound really strange or kind of probably quite bad. But when, when I went home, when I, I think I went home one, one year, probably about a year or two ago, and there was a homeless, there, there was a man sleeping in a doorway in our village. And it kind of made me think if there are homeless people, if it's got to the point where, where there are people sleeping rough in this tiny village in Cheshire, which is not near anything, then this is a nationwide problem because, you know, it's not just the cities, it's, it's the villages as well. It's, it's rural areas. It's, you know, 200 miles away from Cardiff. It was, yeah, shocking. So, um, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's really admirable that you, that you've kind of, I don't want to say introduced, but like, you, 
you've kind of shown your children, you know, this is, this is a part of our society. Yeah. And it's, and it's difficult to process as being um, somebody that likes to fix things. Yeah. That just seems, you know, with the current means insurmountable, like, so you're basically a drop in the ocean with any assistance you can provide in any way. Yeah. Because it's so vast. And, ob- and obviously, it's, you know, is it, is this systemic or is this something, is this, you know, as a society, is it, you know, if you was to dig into like the root causes, it's difficult to get to the point, I'd imagine, because I haven't done the research you've done. But I find it difficult to get to the root cause of what causes. Well, I mean, there are so many, but the biggest one, I think, for me, and I I try to keep my my podcast apolitical, which is very hard, but (laughs) I try. And what I found, the common theme with everyone I spoke to, from the students doing the sleep out, to people on the streets, to, to MPs, to others uh it's the funding it's the funding and i'm not saying it's the government not just going around handing out cash it's a case of the nhs has had its funding cut the police have had its funding cut Mm. um charities who are who are providing shelter um i'm trying to think of the name of one of them in in cardiff you know they are relying on donations but the root cause, if you are, if you cut funding to the NHS, to mental health services, to alcohol, uh, alcohol, um, what do you call it? Like alcoholic treatment. Um, Dependencies. The, uh, yes, the alcohol dependency programs, the drug addiction uh, programs, then you're going to make, then people are going to get worse and people are going to have, you know, but it's one of the last, um, I should find my words. If you cut the funding from all those areas of the health service, people aren't going to get help and people are going to get worse and it's going to drive them potentially to be on the streets. So, and and, you know, the the other services, like social services who have less money aren't able to, aren't equipped to help them. I think there is, I think there was a lot to be said about the correlation between austerity and a rise in homelessness. I think that I think I think that's the best way of saying it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I I think ultimately one one of the root causes is a lack of funding to the health service, to social services. Um, there was a guy I spoke to on the street. Um, I think his name was Paul. It's in it's in the, it's in the episode. I think it was mm-hmm. Paul, and he'd been waiting I think nine years for accommodation. Oh, I, I heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. Nine years, and he'd been on the streets, literally living on the streets. And he was just accustomed to it. That was his, he was used to it. Um, it took it took nine years to get to get somewhere to get a roof, a, a permanent roof over his head. And my the the guest who spoke most, who was kind of the backbone of the entire documentary, Thomas, um, he he said he 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 had been in that position where. Yeah, you get given a house. It's like, okay, great. So you need to pay your bills. And it's like, you know, which is obviously fair enough. Yeah, everyone's got to pay bills. But the system is so deprived that people end up just going on the streets again, I, I think. Because they I can't think, afford the bills. 
because they can't afford it because they're, they're not looked after enough. There's, there's no, to my knowledge, that there isn't really any financial education for people for adults. I mean, there is. I mean, there wasn't many when I, any when I went to school. Uh, I don't know about now, but um, I think it's just come in now with my son's school. Oh really? Oh, well, that's that's good. <laughs> Which got, is a big relief. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're not taught those skills. I mean, I mean, there was um, a friend of mine shared a post earlier on about an American football player that lives off ten percent of his earnings. Okay, he's a, he's an American football player, and he's probably got thousands. But it's principle of living yeah. off the ten percent as opposed to, do you know what I mean? Living off, living off all of it, and and not yeah. putting anything away. Absolutely. There's, it seems like there's a massive gap uh, between, you know, for, for them to. Get them off the streets, give them a house, and say, "Right now, pay your bills." There's a massive gap there in enabling or empowering that person to be able to then look after that house because they may not have the ability or the, or the skills or knowledge to go and get a job to fund for the house. Yeah, absolutely. What, what was yeah. what did um, was that addressed with the MP? Because I haven't got that far in the interview. Did you ever do you get to ask questions like that, or was that not really on the agenda? Well, my main questions to, to Joe Stevens were I wanted her take on the problem and I also wanted to know what was what was being I wanted to know why and, and her answer was the same as what I just gave you was that there is there is a huge lack of funding in, in the social services and health services. Um, and I wanted to know what, what was what was being done in Cardiff. And and she did she did give me some so it's like, I, you know, it was a very, it was a good interview. She, she was, um, she's a very good speaker. And in her, in her, I think this is the right word, in her manifesto for when she was elected in 2017, one of her big goals was homelessness outreach. Mm. And there are plans. I, I think they are, the local government are doing something. Uh, there was, there was talk of building a, um, a sort of a housing estate out of shipping containers that's fantastic. I'm aware, but it was a brilliant idea. It's really like um, eco-friendly. Um, so I hope I hope that's happening. Um, again, she talks about it in, in detail in the interview. But um, yeah, she was a great person to talk to because uh, that was I mean that was the eleventh hour I got an interview with her. Um, it was very very busy time. She, I was very lucky that she spoke to me, and she really did put me. She she kind of restored my faith shall we say, because mm-hmm. um, after, after being, I did a lot of interviewing on the streets, which was very, very difficult. Um, and it was good. It was nice to hear that, that there are talks of, of things. There are, there are talks of plans to, to help people on the streets. Um, but as well as that, you know, it was, it was evident um, that, that that she that she is aware that there's a there's a crisis in her constituency because she hears about it quite a lot. She gets people emailing her a lot, so it was, uh, yeah, it's very eye opening. It's, it's good that she was willing to be interviewed rather than hiding oh, yeah. from it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I it was brilliant. Uh, she she, um, she 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 had stats prepared to give me. It was absolutely fantastic, I and mean, she she really was a very very good in- interviewee. Um, yeah, it was really insightful talking to her actually, and it was really hard to cut the interview down to, to however long it was because we were talking for about an hour and a half. And <laughs> it was uh, just every, you know, re- really interesting stuff. She was very well prepared. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I think that's but, good. That's that's the side we need to see to the politics is people yeah. willing to discuss. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. And showing it, but uh, you know, there's the compassionate side. I mean, I I don't fully engage and believe in the in the benefit culture. I think that can as the ability to disempower people. Mm, um, yeah. Coming from a, a valleys community, um, you know, and 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 seeing it, you know, it's it is disempowering when people yeah. are just giving it. But I remember being on the dole when I was I I I was out of a job, and I go in. I'd worked all my life, and I'd go into the dole office to get my weekly check, and then they would give they, the one or two people would give you a real grilling. Uh, I'd turn up smartly dressed, you know, shirt, trousers, <laughs> shoes, as if I was going for an interview. Yeah. And then somebody, I remember one guy walked in behind me and he had a shell suit bottoms on, uh, a muscle vest and slippers. Yikes. And, and I was there for 15 minutes and being grilled on why haven't I got a job? And this guy walked in after me and left before me and the person just signed his thing and away he went. Wow. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> something's off there. Do I mean way? Yeah, yeah. Although I was like, I was, I was frustrated to be in the position when I didn't have a job because I got no income. Of course, you know. Of course. And I got this all like you said, uh, the frustration where you haven't got a job, and like you were saying earlier on, it's if if you're used to working, it it's not good. It's not a good place no. to be in mentally or physically or emotionally. And then you got someone that can rock in after you, and just walk away with his his, his money for whatever he's going to use it for. And then I just, it just feels like the system's letting them down because mm. oh, yeah. Yeah. there's no accountability to hold themselves to higher standards. Like as in, do you know what I mean? Very true. Yeah. No desire to improve their own. No, not at all. No. So anyway, we're going off subject. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so what what do you think is the most uh, interesting thing that you've uncovered during this journey? Um, I think I think for me it was, it was people's stories. I think because that's what my podcast Think Tank has always been about. It's been people's life stories. So that interview I did with Paul, um, he was the man who lived on the streets. That was completely by accident. Uh, I was being I was being shown around Cardiff by a guy that got in touch on Twitter, and he just I spent the whole day with him. He took me all around the city, kind of showing me different areas and introducing me to people. And and he we met Paul in passing, and and I kind of I knew when he started talking that I need I needed to record it, and we had to, we needed to have a conversation. Mm. And what was really interesting is that he said, "Are you filming?" I said, no, because they do not he did not want to be filmed and a lot of people on the streets do not want to be filmed mm. um which was interesting i understand why maybe they don't want to be recognized who knows but um i, I wasn't obviously it's an audio podcast um and so i, I recorded him and, and his story was unbelievable i mean again i had to i had to cut it down but it was very very harrowing uh, what he's been through and the abuse he's received from everyone really um but also his his positive outlook. I mean, he was just happy that he was going to have a house to move into. And uh, he had a best friend called Ginger who was there too, who comes over 
And, so uh, to ask that, is that the one with the yeah, called Ginger? Yeah, it was so sweet. And um, Ginger was waiting for a house, so he was going to go and stay with Paul whilst he was waiting. And you know, these these two men were middle aged. You know, and I imagine I'm guessing in their fifties. And it was, you know, just it's baffling for me as a 23 year old to be listening to these two men who live on the actual street, yeah. you know, saying we finally, we finally got a house to live into. And it, it was just, it was fascinating because it was just such an alien concept. But unfortunately, it's all too common in, in today's society. So I think it was per- people's personal stories that, that were the most interesting. Yeah, I'd imagine it opened your eyes right up. Oh yeah, and give you a source of appreciation like you never had before. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, one of the uh, another the most disturbing thing I saw was a pregnant woman in Cardiff on the streets. Good grief! And that was my daughter. My daughter clocked it, and she's thirteen. And uh, I honestly didn't know what to do because part of me wanted to say, "Right, come on, you're coming on with me. Let's get you washed up." Uh, my missus was with me as well, you know, let's get you cleaned up and sorted, but I don't know, it's, you don't actually, because you're aware that there's, there may be issues, I think sometimes that can get in the way <coughs> of wanting to help, um, wh- whether it's uh, fear or just uncertainty. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I do. I, I mean, ultimately, there should be there should be crisis response from the government or council or both that help people, especially in that situation. You know, if you're pregnant, you are vulnerable. If you are unwell, you are vulnerable. There should be a crisis response to that because that is a crisis. Hmm. But to my knowledge, there isn't. I haven't, I haven't seen or heard one. Um, but it's very, I mean, it's unbelievable when you, when you hear that. That there's someone who's, who is pregnant with a, you know, who will who will give birth to a child on the street. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know much about pregnancy, but to my knowledge, there's a lot that needs to go into it. You know, good nutrition. Uh, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was. Classes, uh, you know, being warm and not stressed and all sorts. Yeah. You want you want a, a, a pregnant woman to be in in a very safe place, a very loving environment I, I don't think you get that on the streets of any city no I mean Christ uh, yeah I wouldn't want to go there really mm. um, no um, okay um, so I mean it's been quite a journey for you over the last since 2015 you said with Think Tank yes yeah so I mean you obviously Very didn't change a lot <laughs> yeah yeah I mean uh, and this being your flagship piece uh, as you discussed earlier so yes. you didn't suddenly just arrive here. So what's, what's, if this is your purpose doing what you're doing, what did you follow to get here? That's a very, that's a very good question. I've, I've got an answer for it because I, t- I tell the story a lot to people who I, who I work with, my, my new colleagues, <laughs> because my, my kind of, uh, I hate this word, but my journey to becoming a journal, the, the journalist I am now, I hate myself for saying that, my kind, yeah, there's no other way of saying it without telling it absolutely up myself. Um, my, yeah, my, my kind of, my story from kind of, from humble beginnings, uh, from, you know, from, from being a child to, to growing up and, and now working as a journalist is 
bizarre because I I didn't I, I'll start from the beginning I so I did a degree in chemistry uh, with the outlook of doing law afterwards um, so so kind of getting involved with podcasting and audio and radio and the media was just completely unprecedented um, however when I was younger um, I, I really wanted to be a journalist that was my dream to be a journalist um, when I was a kid um, one of my my family friends um, we'll call her my auntie she, she was a journalist when she was younger and, and she was always you know oh she said to me once always carry a notepad with you if you go traveling or, or when you, on holiday just in case something happens you can write it down and I always did and, I, and it's really silly but I still do I always I've always carried a notepad with me whether it be my school bag or in my coat pocket I've always I've got one right now because well I, mean, I guess it makes more sense now because I'm a journalist but uh I was really inspired to be, to be a journalist I worked in my local paper the Warrington Guardian when I was 14 and I loved it and then I sort of maybe I fell out of I, you know, when you're a teenager, you get distracted. I, maybe I sort of fell out of love with journalism. I think I was put off by certain events in the media. Um, you know, the the Leveson inquiry was kind of a bit of a hit. I didn't, you know, that I didn't that wasn't going to make anyone be like, oh, I want to go into journalism. It's a bit bit frightening. So I just sort of thought, yeah, science is fun. I'm good at science. I get good marks at school. I'll do science. I'll do chemistry. So I applied to do chemistry. Ended up in Cardiff. Um, and it was in Cardiff where I, I sort of f fell in love with um, student media. So one of my uh, one of my neighbours back home, um, he he's a Radio Four producer, and he said to me, I think just before I went to university, oh, you should join student radio. It's really fun. It's how I started out. And so I did. I was like, yeah, okay. So I went to uni, did my lectures, and joined the student radio station, and uh, just got really involved. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then I discovered podcasts. And it was a guy called Steve Austins, who was at the time the editor of Radio Wales, uh, BBC Radio Wales, and now is a he, he owns a podcast company, um, a production company, and he did this talk to, to the new recruits of the student radio station about podcasts, and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is this is amazing, I, this, this looks perfect, and I loved listening to um, so my my radio heroes were. Stephen Nolan and Dotton Adebayo on Radio 5 Live, um, who, have, who I've had the pleasure to meet actually whilst working at BBC. Um, but it, it, was, it was their programs that I loved because it was talk, it was speech radio, and it was people's stories and, and people phoning in and telling, telling their stories. And I just loved that. And so when I discovered podcasts, it was all about storytelling podcasts. And there was it, obviously the, the most common podcast everyone listens to, Serial. Loved Serial. It was amazing. Uh, and then on the recommendations on the iTunes podcast, it said, you may like Strangers. And Strangers is, a, is by a, a Danish-American journalist called Leah Tao. And her podcast is the inspiration behind Think Tank. It was a storytelling podcast about people's lives and about really, really not controversial, but like hot topics. Uh, it tends to be Americans, but it was always a really good story. And I just, so it's so unbelievably inspired by that. But in my second year, I thought, I want to do a podcast. And I want it to be about current, current affairs. And uh, it, was the, it was a terrorist attack in Paris, which is what made me start Think Tank, because I just happened to know a lot of people that were kind of 
not experts, but knowledgeable on what had happened. So I had a friend that studied religious studies. I had a friend who was um, who was Muslim and was very involved in the Islamic in the Islam society at Cardiff University, and a friend that was from that was that was French and had family in Paris. So I kind of got them all together. I was like, can we do a podcast? And that's how Think Tank launched. It's not the happiest story, but it was really interesting. And I just loved that I had the, you know, I had this studio in the in the, the students union that I was able to use as part of the student radio station. And I just had this freedom to just, you know, record people and then narrate it and then sort of put some music together and just make a podcast. And that kind of started off the journey. So um, it was ultimately podcasting and and student radio that that led me into a career of originally audio production um, and then and then straight back into journalism uh, and I'm very 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 lucky now to work full-time as a journalist who also does a lot of audio production at work and also on the side it's it's, it's crazy how it, how it seems to work isn't it but, it's uh... it's, it's crazy it really is crazy because if you'd said to me three years ago what are you going to do and I said oh to graduate in chemistry and then probably do a law conversion i really want to be a, a patent attorney i want to go and work in like drug development and be a lawyer and <laughs> it's funny because i went to an open day um to do this a law graduate law diploma and i just kind of went and I thought bloody hell this looks boring uh, <laughs> not interested in this at all this sort of left me oh my goodness my, my entire life's dream is over obviously that was just melodramatic 19 year old me saying that and uh and then one day it really was a sudden kind of one day i woke up and was like i really want to go into media i really want to follow this i think i think i can do it um and i and you know and, and that's what i'm that's what i'm doing now that's fantastic so i want to be respectful of your time harry so um a couple a couple of last questions okay what is the most exciting thing or five years from now, what's the most exciting thing you could be doing or experiencing? I, I think the answer to that. I, I mean, I every I feel so fortunate to to have worked where I've worked. You know, ha, having done podcasts for. So obviously, I, I've been doing think tank, and that has been almost my kind of like little CV. It's all that's been kind of what's given me the skills and the experience to work other places. Um, and I feel very fortunate now that I'm working for the BBC and I, you know, I, I want to stay here if possible. Um, in five years, I would, I would like to be, I'd like to, to have the opportunity or have had the opportunity to travel and to do, to, to create audio, to do reports, to do an investigation abroad. I'd love to do that, to go abroad. Um, because I think there are, there are some really crazy things happening in this country but I think there are even crazier things happening abroad that that people here need to need to hear about and I, I want to try and be at the forefront of, of of investigating and and bringing bringing that news back here I'd love to be able to I don't know uh do a report for Radio 4 or for the World Service um I'm very I'm very uh you know, television is one thing, but I, I'm such a radio person. It's all about it's all about audio and radio for me. It's all about sound design. So I'd love to, I'd love to create a documentary or or, or some kind of long form report. It's a very it's a very vague answer. It's, it's quite a hard question. 
<laughs> but covering anything in particular you can think of? Um, I'm fascinated by conflict. Um, I'm fascinated by, um, I mean, injustice with, with healthcare, uh, America, big one. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm fascinated by, by relig- religion as well, actually. Uh, just about how it can be such a huge part of, of some cultures. Um, and, and, and that ties in with, with conflicts as well, because, you know, there are conflicts that are ignited or catalyzed by, by religion. So absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So you, have, have you watched the, um, the guy that did bowling Columbine? Have you watched his, I have not. No, what's that? Oh, I, I think his name is Michael Moore. I'll, uh, okay. He's, um, he's a, I mean, we've got two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Name ring the bell. So Bowling Columbine was in investigating, uh, the NRA with regards to, um, yeah, Michael Moore, his name is, it's, he's a political documentary maker. Yeah. Um, I've heard of him. Definitely. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so he did it on Bowling Columbine's on the guns. But he's, he's also done nine 11, but he's also done one on healthcare, oh, which wow. I found fascinating because he takes you uh, all around the world. And there's not, I think us, we, are, we are good, but I think that France was pretty good too. France is brilliant, actually. I, I've, um, I did some work in Paris a few years ago and I met a really interesting woman that was British and she'd gone over to France for work. And yeah. she kind of had the best of both worlds because she had a British tax system, but a French healthcare system. Ah, okay. Tax less, but got this amazing healthcare. And she had to pay for it. It was like, I don't know, I'm, I'm making up a figure, but it was about 300 euros a year or something. So very, you know, about a TV license and a half or something. Hmm. And uh, she got amazing healthcare, and brilliant dental care. And then you hear like the fact that the Americans are on two weeks holiday and they got to pay for their healthcare, and it's generally it's just eye-opening. <laughs> I mean, th- 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 this is something probably for an- for another interview. But I I have type one diabetes, and I follow a lot of people because that- that's another thing. Healthcare obviously very close to my heart, and I follow a lot of people in America that have got friends that are dying because they can't afford insulin. And I'm so lucky that I get it for free. You know, it's yeah. unbelievable. I mean, I- I've I've had to pay for a few treatments. Um, well, I say that I've had to, I've had to ask my parents for money to pay for a few treatments, um, in the UK because, and because the NHS hasn't been able to cover it and my goodness, it's expensive. Yeah. Hundreds of pounds a week. It, it's unbelievable. So in America, can't imagine it. Can't imagine right. it. And I mean, there's so much to it. There's so much to unpack with that, but, um, we'll keep that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, but going back to that, Michael Moore, he actually goes into the nine eleven uh, firemen and the fiberglass oh, wow. and the dust they inhaled during that day. Yeah, so yeah. they're all on inhalers, which yeah. are stupid money. Like, yeah, it's 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 making them go bankrupt. You know, people, these people are going bankrupt, like horrendous. So then he he takes them on a journey then to try and get free inhalers. <laughs> so brilliant, though. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to check it out for sure. Okay. Well, Harry, I want to say thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, I appreciate your time. Pleasure. Absolute <laughs> pleasure. If, if you want to get any, any more interview done, I'm, I've got quite a lot of time off next week. So, uh, okay, cool. Let me know.
Yeah, plus uh, you yeah, dig I, into that. I hope my answer's been all right. I'm, I'm a bit of a rambler, you'll find. No, no, um, it's, I'm not. My my podcasts are not as structured as yours. Mine are <laughs> real. You know, do you know what I mean? I I don't go to town on the editing, and it's it's quite raw. So. Oh, no, it's been perfect. Uh, so thank you for sharing, and Absolutely thank you, perfect. thank you for actually digging into the the crisis which I've seen, and I've I've not been able to, or not been inclined to pursue further answers, and maybe I should have. So it's it, it's hard because it you know it took me a long time, uh, mm. but I'll say this, my you know my my journey's not over with with Cardiff homelessness crisis. Um, I, I hope to have a part three one day. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, stay in touch, man. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. See what we can do. Okay. Ali, thank you very much. All the best. Pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram, and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful, and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Harry, thank you. Thanks, that, that was brilliant, yeah. <laughs> you, d- you didn't mind going into that too much, did you? No, not at all, not at all. As I say, I'm, a, I'm such a rambler. I could Honestly, I could talk for England and Wales put together. Um, <laughs> what, what, once you strike an interest, I will just talk. So I, I always worry that people who have to edit me I will just be there for years because it, I can honestly just keep talking. I'm talking. I'm talking. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no. But honestly, if you need need anything else, let me know because I'm happy to do this again. It's, okay, so, fantastic. I, yeah, I, I mean, myself, so. <laughs> we didn't we didn't get a chance to touch on yourself, so that was that's what I was going to say. Maybe next time you can dig into. Yeah, it. of course, of course. And and there's you know I've got a lot of projects because um, obviously I, I I launched. It's bizarre. I launched Think Tank as an order. So I Think Tank became think tank the podcast and then think tank became what i trade as so think tank is, is, is a very very small podcast network which we ha- we only have two podcasts at the moment but um effectively I'm, I, what i'm saying is i've got a few projects next year which i hope to do self-published which will be about things like diabetes about um nice more journalistic things so kind of almost su- subsidiaries of think tank Okay. So, uh, yeah, but there's, there's so much to, think, to talk about. Anytime, just just let me know. Okay. Is a gentleman you need to talk to if you're going to be digging into that? I've got uh, someone I can connect you with. So I'll okay. do that on. You on Messenger? Uh, yes, I'm on on Facebook Messenger. Yeah. So I'll create the Facebook Messenger group and, and and connect you with him. He's just started this podcast, and I think it's called Patiently. Okay. Uh, it's about travel, uh, receiving medicines while traveling. You know. Pers- so yeah traveling to get medication right oh wow okay. or operations right that sounds interesting mm. so you might be know. if he's up your street you can continue the conversation definitely definitely oh that'd be great thank you very much no problem okay we speak soon right speak soon yes have a nice evening you too thank you very much Harry. take care bye-bye bye, bye now <laughs>